Hello, welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers, the superintendent of schools for Ailey ISD. I want to welcome all our listeners today. Uh, we're going to talk about something that is really specific to Ailey, but uh, quite frankly, regardless of where you live, I would hope that your school district, along with other local community leaders, have demonstrated they can partner in a way in which we're going to talk about today. The whole point of today's episode is to talk about a community garden, and we'll talk more about that in a second. But just as important as talking about the gardens, how Aleaf ISD, teacher, a student, and and then some local leaders of our community have come together to give our kids an experience and our community an experience that otherwise they may not have in an urban setting. And so for those that are listening to this, Aleaf is in a very urban area. There's not a lot of rural land Almost every square inch of dirt is built. Something is built on it. A house, an apartment complex, an office building, a road. There's very little open space, if you will. But we'll talk about the partnership today with the community garden and how that how that includes the school district as well as the local leaders in our community. So I'm going to start by asking a longtime A-Leaf resident and a leader in our community, Ms. Barbara Quattro, to just introduce herself, what her role is with the community garden and how that all happened. And then we've got a student. What grade are you in, Amanda? Sixth grade. She's a sixth grader at, at a Young Blood Intermediate. And then we have a teacher, Ms. Erin Gilbert, who is is obviously the uh, taking this on as a part of her, her responsibility and something she enjoys. And, and uh, we're going to hear from the teacher's perspective the student's perspective, and then also the community's perspective. So, Barbara, a quick introduction, and we'll let the other two introduce themselves, and we'll get going. Um, my name is Barbara Quattro. I'm the chair of the Ailey Super Neighborhood. Super Neighborhoods in Houston were created by the mayor, Mayor Lee Brown, in the late 1990s. And the purpose of the Super Neighborhood is for us to advocate for our neck of the woods. Houston is, what, 650 square miles? So what we need in A-Leaf might be very different from what people need in the East End. So Super Neighborhood 25 has been in existence since the year 2000, so going on 20 years now. I think June of uh, this year will be 20 years that we've been in existence. Our job is to advocate not only for the, to the city for what we need in the annual capital improvement plan, but to generate interest around A-Leaf happenings. The International District is is a a quasi-taxing authority and created by the state. I think it's been 11 years now that the International District was formed. And I've been on at least one of their committees ever since the inception. And the committee that created the community garden was the Environmental and Urban Design Committee. And I was trying to look that up today. I thought, my God, how long have we been having this garden? So it's going on. I think it's nine years. Nine years. The time has gone by quickly. And I remember or vaguely remember the the meeting where they said, well, let's, let's have a community garden. And the next thing you know, we had 300 people out there the day that we created that community garden. It was like a barely controlled chaos. We had old people out there that were tearing up cardboard. We had young kids that were building beds, carrying carrying uh, concrete blocks to build the beds. As I recall, it rained. It was a muddy mess at the end. I think we built 25 beds that day, the first day. We now have 74. So. Wow. So it's grown. And part of that growth is probably a direct responsibility of what's happened at Youngblood. And so just to put this in context for everyone, uh, in our district, we had a vacant piece of property that is at some point may or may not be used for another school. 
but it sits right across the street from an existing intermediate school, a fifth and sixth grade campus called Youngblood. And part of that international management district that Barbara referred to, uh, they came to the school district and said, would you be willing to allow us to use part of this property to build a community garden? So obviously, after working through that, that uh, that was allowed. So fully knowing, and I was superintendent, I had just gotten here, and we had, that was one of the first times that Barbara and I even met uh, with the super neighborhood. But it was an easy answer for us because we didn't really have any immediate plans for that property. And um, and just for the record, we still don't. Yeah, we probably lost that part to the garden. I'd be strung up if I messed with that garden. So anyway, just a little context behind that. Uh, Ms. Gilbert, if you don't mind, introduce yourself, your role, and then Amanda will let you do that, okay? Yes, my name's Erin Gilbert. Uh, I have been happy to serve the A-Leaf community since 1999 and came to Youngblood Intermediate in, I believe, the year 2008. It's been a while, but I've loved every minute. But the best part is the families and the relationships we build over time. So I teach sixth grade GT, and I'm happy to have my student Amanda with me to help talk about what we do at the garden. Hi, my name is Amanda, and my favorite part about the garden is when you're tired of going to school and <laughs> the boring lessons, and then you finally get to go outside and get fresh air, and then you just get your hands dirty in the dirt and plant plants. It's very fun. I know we laugh about that. Your teacher, Miss Gilbert, was like in shock when you said the boring lessons. <laughs> well, not hers specifically. No, of course not. No, not hers no. specifically. Not Miss Gilbert's. No, but but talk just real briefly from the kids' perspective, from your perspective. How much more fun school is when you're doing something like that in the garden versus just sitting in a classroom? Well, it's way more fun. I take it from my perspective isn't just study, study, study. So you would like to have some outdoor fun or... Are you learning outdoors? Are you just having a good time learning yeah. about the, the garden itself? Yeah. We've had some problem-solving situations over the years. There have been a lot of times where it was very much a, a learning or community building among our classroom culture as well as getting to know families and other members of the community. So I think it's it's learning, but it's, it's fun, so it doesn't feel like we're directly doing anything particularly academic. But on the other hand... There have been times when we've gone in and, and cleaned out the, the, the tool shed and we've learned a lot about adult human <laughs> behaviors and habits. Yeah. And, and you know, it's, it's nice to be able to add some help and not just benefit from having land to grow things on. So I think it's good and also developing college and career skills of teamwork and communication effectively. And I, I hate to even say this with Amanda here, but the trick is is to get kids in an environment where they're learning and they don't even realize it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. That that's the sweet spot. If if we can put you in an environment where your first adjective to describe it is fun. Well, we as adults know, yeah, it's fun, but you're also learning something. And I think that's kind of the magic between the school system and what Barbara you guys advocated for nine to years begin ago. With, yeah. I had city kids. These are city kids. They don't yeah. they don't have the opportunity to get out and see where their food actually comes from. Mm-hmm. And and I'm thinking about your first class there, Aaron, did they grow radishes or carrots? What was it? We grew both radishes and carrots and, and, and the, beets. The, those kids were once the, the plants were big enough size, they're pulling them out of the, the, the ground and washing them with the hose. And they thought they were having candy there. I mean, it was <laughs> yeah. just it was yeah. a good experience. It was great. You know, I brought pictures of one of our green bean harvests and we cooked them in the wok with soy sauce mm. and, and garlic and ginger. And seeing a room full of 50 kids 
chowing down on green beans and asking for more <laughs> was a great thing. How often do we see so many willing right. participants with eating fresh vegetables that are organically grown? I mean, it's, it's a wonderful thing. Barbara, you talked about the International Management District earlier. Talk about each entity's role, I guess, as we started out. I mean, I know the school system, we provided the property and all that, but there was a whole lot of work and partnerships building this thing. Yes, we started off with advice from Urban Harvest. That's a local group. A lot of us didn't know how to build a garden, and we got expert advice from Urban Harvest. So that's how we built the initial beds right. and took their advice. I mean, I didn't know what size a bed should be, and they told us all about that. When we actually had the build day that I mentioned earlier, there were people from every walk of life in A-Leaf that were helping. And now, if you would come to the garden, I mentioned this on a, a local TV show, it's the United Nations out there. A-Leaf is a very, very diverse community. And some of the things that people are growing, I have no idea <laughs> right. w- what they are. From their own culture. Yes, but, yeah. yes. So they're growing things that are, as you mentioned, from their cultures. Mm. I always tell new gardeners, you can grow anything you want here as long as it's legal. And they just, <laughs> so they just give me this kind of, of a right. look. I, I've seen it, actually seen it, where people from different cultures Gardeners from different cultures, different age groups, the garden is a common denominator. So I think it has had a social impact as well as some of an economic impact. We have at one time a large group of gardeners that were growing for their community because mm-hmm. they, they're trying to, to feed right. refugees. Culturally, it's benefited. We have one a gardener right now that, that actually he grows for an, an African market in his plots. So, I mean, it's very, very uh, interesting to, to see. We have, have a nurse out there that grows. She's doing it as therapy for herself. She has a husband uh, with MS, and I think that she has a special needs daughter. So when she's at the garden, that's her me time. Right. The garden has served different interests for a lot of different people. And I think that's the beauty of it, that one place can offer a lot of suggestions for a lot of different people, ages and groups. And I like the way that that affects our culture at Youngblood because – you know, over the years, we've worked together and we've grown and had abundance to where we can give to our communities and school office on campus. And of course, before we had you know, Hurricane Harvey, we had toiled. We had gotten our hands dirty and bonded closer. And in doing so, I think we were maybe more empowered to reach out to our fellow A-Leaf resident. We had kids that not only said, you know, we work hard in the garden and we come together to do this, but they a lot of the kids didn't feel directly impacted. And they said, well, maybe we can use that same lifeblood to do a food drive. And sure enough, the next thing you knew, James DeFelice had a mountain of ramen that was taller than himself. There were kids finding canned goods. I don't know how many places. There were staff members that were partaking from the food pantry, local students, family members. It was amazing. We had thousands upon thousands of items donated that went to places where they were definitely needed. So it's not just on, you know, a community level in that capacity, but it translates to our our campus. And I think it really draws us together in a much close-knit fashion that I'm really proud to be a part of. Right. We all have to eat. And it might be different foods. It might be produced a different way. But yeah, it serves that purpose. That's one of the benefits that we really didn't think about when we first thought about having the garden. And 
That garden has become the go-to place for every Eagle Scout project for 20 miles around. So in the last year, I think that we've had at least six Eagle Scout projects there. I offer them several suggestions. We now have bat houses. I don't know if we have any bats, but we we do have the bat houses. We have bird houses. We have benches. And again, that impacts... Not only the garden, but the community in getting those projects done. I was curious about the recent additions of of like covered seating because you and I have worked on a number of grants through a number of of nonprofits. And was that part of the City of Houston grant that we did together? (laughs) Well, part of it. Hope Clinic bought the game tables out there for checkers or chess, Mm -hmm. and then they covered them. And then the grant that you and I helped write, that was a $5,000 grant that we got from the city. So the Super Neighborhood and Hope Clinic pitched in together. They're thinking about more. Oh, that's wonderful. If I can be a further help on things like that, please let me know. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Amanda, you, you're listening to these grownups talk about all the benefits and all the things that have happened. Other than going out and having fun and getting out of the classroom, is there one particular part of the garden or the work that you like or that you and your friends like? Most of my friends don't really like to go to garden to plant. They just go to play. Mm-hmm. So, Which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think my favorite part would be to um, plant them and then do all the hard work and then come back and see that they've grown grown, and yeah. they actually work. And it just like, phew, they worked. <laughs> and with all that rain, they've flourished. So yeah. Oh, yeah. We're anxious to see our and, pea crop. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and, and, and then actually taking it from the, the ground to the to the walk and cooking it and, and eating it. Uh, I think a lot of people that are not involved or, or, or live in an urban area like this, they don't see that whole process and what farmers and others who are doing this for everyone, you don't realize what it takes to get whatever's on your plate at the restaurant or at your home, how it got there. My kids always thought that food came from the grocery store. I mean, that's yeah, yeah. they had no clue. I mean, they were city kids. Right. They didn't know right. until we would take them to a farm or, or let them see something. And a lot of these kids are apartment kids that don't have yards that they could plant something. I think it has a and an effect that we probably don't even know about at this point. Even if they're running around, mm-hmm. that's several acres there where they can just run. Oh, goodness, yes. Erin, you said you've been a part of the community a long time. Have you seen a, a property value impact or uh, well, just in the community itself? I don't live directly within the community, right. but we know that when it comes to land sitting unused, it doesn't have the value that a community garden does. And taking time to visit these places and get familiar with them and help out when you can, I think, is essential because it does raise property values. It keeps neighbors more aware of what's going on in their communities close to home and, of course, at the garden. But I was thinking about what Barbara said. And one thing that's not a a tangible benefit, but I think it's maybe an opportunity for me to thank Barbara. We think a lot about stakeholders when we talk about community building. And one thing I've always admired about Barbara When we've gone to make decisions, I really admire the way she has said, I want to hear from kids. I don't want this to be all adults. You're stakeholders too. You are a part of this. This is what we're going to do. I think about that in terms of the time when we had representation from my sixth graders with the University of Houston's master's program. And if you could maybe talk about that of who all came together, because the building of that shade structure, I think – left kids with a feeling of, wow, I helped have some say in that. 
And it's going to be here for a long time. And not just that, even the building of the beds, knowing that kids are stakeholders too, I think is really, really important. That was uh, a product of the U of H Graduate School of Architecture. Do I have it in the right order? Anyway, I think there were uh, eight eight yeah. people there. They assembled it at the U of H and then took it all apart and then brought it back to the garden to build it. And we're talking big bucks now because of, of all that work. So Spark Park, so there's another community mm-hmm. a partner, jumped in with, with some money to fund that. I keep going back to the fact that we didn't want anything permanent there. That thing has maybe 10 or 12 foot footers on it. So it's pretty permanent. Yeah. It's in the in the shape of, of a sail. It had to have good footers. Otherwise, it would have taken off during, during <laughs> Harvey. It hasn't moved an inch. Having that pavilion there fostered are having a little library there. One of the parents of um, Youngblood student, I know he built the little library, right? He built... Oh, that, that was Miss Ray Q and her husband. Yes. She was a yeah. part of our literacy department, and that's been a special part of, of that shade structure as well. Yeah, so we have the little library there. And then last week, one of the gardeners said to me, we need to have a, a free food pantry here and just put some canned goods and mm-hmm. some things in case somebody, maybe somebody needs something to eat. Right. So that might be the the next project there. Let's talk about the orchard that's there. Oh, that Remember was... how many times we called? There was a contest. Nestle had a contest to win an orchard. So I called everybody. I know you had to call in, wasn't it? Or, or we vote voted online? Yeah, we voted online and we had kids lining up every day because it was a <laughs> daily thing. You could reach a quota. So everyone went and logged in and they put it on their social media. We got as many people voting for this orchard that we were number two, I believe. Well, we won it. We won it. Yeah. But they were like, I think 10 they were giving away. I yeah. think we were yeah. like number two with the most votes for this. Yeah. So, so, so that, that an was an orchard a, of what? what was it just fruit, trees? Fruit, fruit trees? Yeah. 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 And then we had a freeze and we killed off some of the citrus, which we were going to replace. Right. And if anybody's listening to this podcast and lives in, in the Houston area and is a uh, citrus tree expert, please come help me. I need to know how to prune those trees. <laughs> so they need to be pruned. But I picked a couple Meyer lemon the other yeah, they day. They were abundant. Yeah. So, and that's something that we can donate to the food pantry. Or if anybody just, you know, people, neighbors that want them. Need a meal. Get them. And they've not been sprayed. And even though they haven't gotten tended to, we've been really blessed with a yep. nice crop of Meyer lemons this season. Yep. Wow. We have a tree farm. That was an addition. Right. So there's all kinds of good things happening, not only with the garden itself, but using the garden as a centerpiece. Uh, as you know, we have the International District has two festivals a mm-hmm. year there. Hope Clinic has used that as a site for food distribution and for other activities mm-hmm. that they've had there. They had their winter wonderland. Right, with medical screening. That yes. was great. We brought yes. the kids out yes. on a Saturday, and then the kids were able to help with the distribution from the Houston Food Pantry. I think that really feeds the soul, and it makes kids feel really empowered. And having the opportunity to do that within our community is a really a jewel in our crown. We have a lot of kids in A-Leaf that are interested in community service. Right. And I'm a strict believer of, of child labor because, <laughs> <laughs> because we can use those. And I have high school kids all the time and middle school kids out there that will weed and trim and turn the compost pile, that sort of thing. So that, too, has added to the mm-hmm. community spirit because people are working for a common cause and volunteering 
for a, a common cause. The garden impacts more than just the food. Yeah, it's turned into, like most endeavors like this, it always becomes something you never anticipated. It's a garden. Like you said, Barbara, it becomes something that you really couldn't plan for. And if you had planned for it, it would have never happened. Mm-hmm. You just kind of have to. This has just evolved. Yeah, it's just an organic thing. Uh, Amanda, as a sixth grader and getting ready to move on to middle school, do you feel like the opportunities you've had participate out there, again, whether it was having fun, running around or, or whatever, the, or, or watching kind of something from nothing, right? It started out as nothing, now it's mm-hmm. something. Has that given you any insight into things that you may want to do as you get older? Or do you feel like it's prepared you better for? Yeah, it has prepared me for like f- further mm-hmm. notice because sometimes when you grow up, if you want to plant a garden or something. Yeah. But when I first started, I kind of had experience because back in my hometown, my dad's home had a big garden full of carrots and potatoes. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of used to it. You had had a little bit of exposure to it. That's good. That's good. What about your friends or those who have never had exposure to it? Some like to help in the garden. Mm -hmm. And then some just... Complain. Complain. Yeah, yeah. Well, they're like, kids. Uh, they're kids. Too hot. Yeah, well, it is too hot in, in August, in July. Too hot. Yeah. Want to be back inside. It's a welcome refuge, Absolutely. not just for kids, but for everybody. And it's really nice to know that there are people that just come to sit and watch the world go by. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I go out there and I see people sitting on the benches or they bring their dogs and wander around the perimeter of the uh, garden. I mean, there's people that come there on a daily basis. It's a peaceful place to mm-hmm. walk. Yeah. Some of the gardeners have planted trees around the perimeter. Not permanent trees, you understand. They're just live oaks. That... <laughs> Not permanent. <laughs> I've lost control of that property. <laughs> so, And we've got some more that we want to plant right. out there. And also, the next thing in that properties. I'm thinking it's a dog. That's dog an park. excellent idea. Uh, but if on, we could start some pecan trees with those live oaks, uh, I've always thought it would be important to have a protein source. We have pecan trees. They're on the other side, on the west side, there's a couple of pecan trees, but we can use some more. And most definitely we could use some more. Yeah. That shade is always yes. needed with, with dogs yeah. for sure. Yeah. The community that lives in that general area of young blood. I mean, they're the ones that are probably reaping as much benefit from it as anyone being uh, like a destination, a place. If I'm going to go for a walk, I got a place to walk to, and and I don't. It's almost like having a little park. I don't know if if you knew this, HD, that that one of the former gardeners there that lives in Wellington Park, which is right just down the street, he was inspired by the garden and the tree farm, and he asked me to see if I could get some more trees. They filled in their community pool. It's down at the end of Dairy View Lane, and they filled in that pool area and. I'm thinking it was the last week in December. We planted 40 trees down there. That was a community effort, too. That's we had wonderful. we had uh, A-Leaf kids mm-hmm. and some of his neighbors, and we planted 40 trees, and he was inspired by the garden. So, that's, that's incredible. So, yeah, so there's, we, we planted those trees there. We've been so blessed to get trees from the Apache Corporation. It was yes. usually like an annual thing. Okay, get the GT kids coming. We've got a plan. We're going to unload 500 trees and hook them up to the irrigation system. Yes, yeah. And that irrigation system was built entirely child labor. Yeah. I mean, that, that was ROTC kids that built that. They did a tremendous job right. out there. It's not just our garden, though. What's great, I don't know if everybody knows, but those trees go out to make the esplanades more attractive, and it's almost radiating out from a central hub. It's a lovely thing. And what what I like about tree planting is they look better every year. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, I mean, we've, mature and... we start out with five-gallon or at the most 15-gallon trees, and look at them. 
I mean, they, they look marvelous. It's been said a lot. Our entire country is built upon a bunch of small communities. If you're going to have a strong country or a strong state or a strong community, you're going to have strong, smaller communities within it. And if the, each community is taking care of their own business and taking care of themselves, and if everybody's doing that, then we're going to have a strong republic. We're going to have a strong country. And when I look at the community garden, I kind of think of that that little small piece of a leaf. And for those that come from outside, but that's them taking care of themselves. That's that community working together with the schools and and the kids and and, and the outside uh, help assistance with leadership. It's an example. And I, you know, I'm sitting here as I'm listening to you guys talk. I'm thinking about how can we publicize this more, not just as a community garden, but as a as an example of this is how a community can stand on its own. You know, not have to worry about anyone else providing for them. Take care of yourself. Take care of your your own, if you will. And and I don't know if if you see it that way or not. If, but I'm looking at it from a bigger, at least from my perspective, is yeah, it's a America's a million little communities. It's a million little neighbor, more than a million. It's just a bunch of little communities going, getting up every day, going to work every day, taking care of their families every day, teaching their kids. And in this garden is just a part of a part of that. I don't know. Again, that probably wasn't its intent when it was first thought about, but I think it's becoming that if it hasn't already become that. That new little trailer that's been, that's not crate, what do you call that? Shipping container. Shipping container, I right. can't think of words. That has now, the art community is now using that. Right. So again, evolution, starting out with a few beds where the purpose was just to grow a few vegetables, and now we've moved to the not only planting trees on the esplanades and having festivals, but now the art community is there. We're using part of the front part of the garden that's uh, most visible from Beechnut to to display local artist work. Yep. Yep. It, pretty I, cool. Yes. Pretty I mean, cool. so many things have happened just from trying to build a few beds and planting a few radish seeds, and it's evolved. What do we want the listeners to learn about the garden from a students? Is there anything, Amanda, that you want to make sure and say? Well, I think it's important for us kids to learn about the garden because not only is it fun, but it's good to boost your self-confidence sometimes because when you work so hard and then you finish and it actually grows your plants, <laughs> then you're like, yes, like, <laughs> You You're happy, it. and yeah, it's really nice. It works. Yeah. It's a microcosm. You know, everything could be bananas in your life, but you know you have a square patch of earth that's responding to what you're doing, and you're taking care of it. It can be really empowering. Yeah. yeah it's it's uh, And I find it purely coincidental just because we own the property, but to have a fifth and sixth grade campus right across the street, I can't think of a better age group to be, to be exposing this to. I mean, I, I think they're of the right age to – even though they whine and complain about it being hot or <laughs> or getting my hands dirty. Um, but in all seriousness, I think it's a good age to ex begin exposing them to this. It, it makes a lot of sense. So, I, I think the idea of exposing kids as that, that age and, and our teens to volunteerism yep. is one of the best things that we, that we can do for our kids. I mean, I've been a volunteer one way or the other for 50 years and I think that everyone in every community can do something. It might be a little something. It might be just picking up some trash that you see blowing around or or some litter or giving an hour of your time to to a garden or or to to mentor a kid, but everybody in every community can do something. 
as you said, we're a million different communities, and what we do within our communities makes us strong. Yep. And everybody, everyone has a role. And it makes us examples for others. And I think sometimes kids forget that. But it also is an opportunity for us to sing their praises of their work ethic. I think kids forget when when, when you work in a garden, that's job experience. Mm -hmm. I'd be happy to write Amanda or anyone a letter of recommendation yep. because I can say what I've observed. And I'm really proud of what I see when you're committed. Yeah, you could go play tag with, with some folks. But no, you choose to, you know, get your hands dirty and get invested. And it says a lot about who you are. Thank you for that. <laughs> Very good. Ms. Gilbert, from your perspective, from a teacher's perspective, is there any message for other teachers that you would like to share? Or It's worth the investment. It connects your kids. It connects you with your students. It makes learning real. We've been learning about sub-Saharan Africa lately. And what's been really interesting for us after listening to a TED Talk, my students and I noticed that some of the images they showed with the TED Talk very much mirrored some of the mm -hmm. images we saw in our fields. Well, gosh, when you have livestock trampling fields for <laughs> exactly. years, you know, that's going to take its toll. Right. But uh, it really got us reflective and thinking about the science in the TED Talk and how that applies to our life and changes over time to our ecosystem and what's responsible use of our resources as students or even as members of ALEAF. Do we want to do things differently or maybe we need to look at our waste and trash and how we handle that right. because we need to be responsible stewards, all of us, from kids to adults. You're in a perfect situation to extend your classroom way beyond the walls of your classroom. All right, anything you want to tell a bunch of sixth graders? That hard work really pays off. There you go. Amen. There you go. It really does. Whether you believe that or not, it really does. Barbara, thank you for your leadership. There's millions of communities across this country, and everyone needs in that community someone to step up and, and take control. You and others have done that in the Aleph community for many, many years, and being someone who's only lived in the community for going on 10 years now, it's appreciated. It's a, it's an underappreciated role, as you as you very well know. Uh, but when people have an intellectual conversation with themselves, they, they know the, the importance of it. And this community garden is just one small example of, the of I think, what you and others have helped bring to this community to keep it live and vibrant and taking care of itself. Thank you. There are some days when I just want to just pull my hair out. But, yeah, uh, well. you know, weeds, pull weeds. Yeah, pull weeds. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, uh, at my own house, I had one of my uh, uh, grandchildren gave me a sign that I have by the front door, and it says, ring bell. If no answer, pull weeds. So I'm carrying it over into everything. <laughs> there so. you go. Well, that's, that's good. Well, thank you, guys. Thank you all for participating in this. Hopefully you didn't think it was too painful. No. <laughs> it was all right? All right. Well, thank you. If you're interested in, uh, for those of you that are listening to this in the Aleaf community, if you have any interest whatsoever in uh, being involved either in the super neighborhood or getting to know the super neighborhood or the international management district well, please uh, Google both the super neighborhood, Aleaf Super Neighborhood, or Google the International Management District. If you're interested in working with any of our schools, obviously go to aleafisd.net. And the campus that's directly right across the street from the community garden is Youngblood Intermediate. Go uh, Wildcats. We, go Wildcats. <laughs> it's a fifth and sixth grade campus, so uh, they're not too bad. Those fifth and sixth graders aren't too bad. They're not old enough to be knuckleheads in high school, and they're a little, they're a little older than – than elementary. elementary, so they're in a good they're in a good position. So, in all seriousness, we would love. I know these ladies and this and, and young lady would love to uh, to have your your support. If you're a business or a company and you want to 
be involved in a very worthy cause, uh, just look up aleafisd.net and we will put you in touch with the right people. It's been my pleasure. This has been Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers with Ailey ISD. Thank you guys and have a great day. This has been an AMP production.